We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome back, everyone. Episode 57 of BuzzBeat Radio. It feels like it's been a long time since I've been in here. Um, and it feels like it's been a long time since the three of us have been together. So we're here to talk uh, Hornets hoops, of course, but we're... We might venture off into a few different directions today. Um, Hornets hoops not uh, the most exciting thing uh, in the world of basketball right now, but we will dive into a lot of different things. Going to talk some draft prospects today. Um, Going to look at maybe Monk getting some playing time here recently. Bacon, hopefully more for the young guys coming. Hernan Gomez. Um, and, and again, we'll go in all different directions. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller. Radio Network. You can check out almightyballer.com for tons of other great podcasting content across the, the whole landscape of the NBA. And then sportschannel8.com. Brian and I actually did a pretty cool piece, well, a two part piece last week mm-hmm. about that top eight uh, ACC pro prospects. Had a really good time with that. Appreciate Brian and Sports Channel 8 inviting me over to, to do that. So if you haven't seen that yet, go over to sportschannel8.com. It's right there. Check that out. Um, and subscribe to their newsletter, actually. If you've not done that, subscribe to the Sports Channel 8 uh, newsletter. They send you basically, what is it, weekly, Brian? Yeah, every Friday morning, weekly. Every Friday morning, mm-hmm. they're going to send you basically the, the whole week's content. Uh, and it's all, it's all great, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. ACC basketball is hot and heavy. So uh, do that and check out our piece if you have not yet. All right, let's get in here. Um, I suppose where we'll start is just kind of running through the last few, the last week of games for the Hornets, they were at New Orleans, at Atlanta, and then uh, in MSG last night against the Knicks. They go one and two in that stretch. Um, Richie, I just want to throw it to you first, and I want you to give us a theme, something that has caught your eye over the past week. We know the obvious things, like none of these games matter anymore. The Hornets <laughs> are are bad anyways, but they've been extra bad here recently, like you just look down, they gave up 119 to New Orleans, 117 to Atlanta, 124 to New York. Like, they're done trying, and whatever. Who cares? Like, it, nothing matters anymore. But what has stuck out to you here 
in the past week or has caught your eye uh, uh, about this team or a certain player or whatever? Right. I mean, at this point in the season, uh, if you haven't picked up on the themes for this team or for these players, uh, I really don't know what you're watching. So there's nothing too major or too new that I've picked up on this week of games. I actually haven't had the chance to watch the Knicks game yet. It's sitting on my DVR. I'm not sure I'm going to turn that on because like you said, at this point, these games are are meaningless and there's not much you can gain from them. But I will say that there's one player that kind of has stood out in my mind a little bit over the past week and maybe even before that. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, I feel like he's been having a good stretch offensively at least. I know in the New Orleans game, I I took a big note of that. Uh, He did very well um, from behind the arc, but also getting into the paint. That's kind of always one of his, you know, secondary, I guess, strengths besides his passing, his ability to stand out behind the three-point line. But getting, you know, weaving inside uh, the paint uh, is also something that uh, we've, we've seen from him lately. You know, he's not like a physical player, but it was good to see him get his body towards the rim. Uh, he even scored a couple baskets over Anthony Davis uh, against the Pelicans. But on the opposite end, and again, this is nothing new, it's so painfully obvious that he is just picked on uh, on that end. So, you know, as good as he is offensively, and he has these stretches offensively, defensively, I just don't see if he's ever going to make that jump. And is it worth it to keep a guy like that on your team when he's just going to get picked on quarter after quarter? I think in the first quarter of the Pelicans game, Anthony Davis came back in. They staggered his minutes. And the first play, they run an alley-oop for him. So it's just so obvious to see this. I guess it's nothing new, Spencer, but this is just something that I've seen over the past week. Kaminsky has had some very good offensive outputs, but defensively, he's just mentally, physically weak, and uh, that just affects him on that end. Well, he's a a polarizing player. Um, When you talk about the Hornets and the young guys they have on this roster, we've talked about him numerous times. I mean, look, all of a sudden, you kind of blink and you look up and he's shooting 37 and a half percent from behind the arc this mm-hmm. season, which, okay. Like now we're talking about, you know, Brian, you and I've come back and forth numerous times about this. Like now we're talking about a number that mm-hmm. makes him a mm-hmm. real asset. Like it has some value on the floor. Um, Richie, I think the new Orleans game is a great case study of kind of his game and where he is defensively, offensively, what he can bring on both ends of the floor. I actually thought he had some good moments against Davis defensively, as crazy as that sounds. Um, he got, you know, he obviously had to guard him a lot mm-hmm. and Davis didn't have the best game had, you know, he did what Anthony Davis does, but Kaminsky held his own from a physical standpoint. I thought far more in that game than I would have anticipated him, you know, at this point in his career, but offensively, especially shooting the three this year and stretching the floor and shooting with more confidence. You can tell just watching his body language. uh, It appears to be a different player. Brian, what have you seen in Kaminsky here recently, especially in the second half of the season that suggests, okay, maybe we have something to work with here. Yeah. The, again, like you said, that three point number is big. I mean, anything above 36, 36 and a half percent is, is pretty good. And he's, hovering close to 40% off the catch, which is basically, you know, what that's the vast majority of his, of his attempts and whatever. So that's all of that stuff is good. And, and Richie, you're right. Like he's been better in and around the paint recently. And he even had a nice little lefty move um, going against the Knicks. I, I watched that on the tape this morning, going away from the middle, going away from the help and going lefty to the baseline, a pretty nice, tough little shot. I came out if he, over, if he hit it over Cantor or Thomas or O'Quinn, one of the bigs for the, for New York, but it was pretty impressive 
Um, last three games, Kaminsky, 6 of 7 in the restricted area, hmm. 10 of 16, 63% inside of 8 feet. And he's also shot 50% from the field, or 50% from beyond the arc in that stretch, 5 of 10, which is not bad either. And he's only had one shot blocked um, in that span of time too, which is also, like again, these are all sort of important things you want with Frank. He's been getting to the line a little bit more this year too. Um, you know, I feel like the assist, the rebound numbers are down a little bit. And the two-point percentage overall is down a little bit, too. But he is getting to the free-throw line a little bit more, which is helping some of his effective shooting numbers look a little bit better. But Richie also, like you said, I mean, the it's trick-or-treat with this guy. And defensively, it's been pretty rough recently. Uh, well, I mean, really, the last three seasons, and this whole season in particular, it is amazing to see just how, as soon as he checks in, the, basically the first possession, sometimes the first half-dozen <laughs> possessions a team puts that guy in some sort of screen action, either on the ball or off the ball. feels like it happens a lot of times. Jeremy Lamb is involved, too, where teams just sort of target those guys in space, um, you know, on pin downs or flare screens or whatever. But last three games, the Hornets are giving up 114 points for 100 possessions, which is terrible. And with Frank Kaminsky on the court, in his 69 minutes, the Hornets are allowing nearly 130 points per 100 possessions, which is, I mean, obviously, obviously really, really bad. So... Yeah, I mean, again, there's some good stuff to like on offense with Frank, especially on these catch-and-shoot threes from above the break. And feels like post-All-Star break in general, he's played pretty well offensively. But it's just such an adventure defensively with him. And when you mix it with those nights where he isn't shooting well and he's not getting to the line, he's not in his threes, it, it gets ugly quickly. Um, gosh, really quickly. Uh, you just wonder with Frank, you know, if this offensive uptick keeps up and – you know, he can play with a little wiggle off the bounce. We've seen that. Um, he can make a pass. You know, he's not the most advanced thinker in, in terms of see, you know vision and seeing the floor, but he's capable of doing it. And he showed us that, you know, here and there. But he's a, he's a player offensively where you still believe that two or three years down the road from now, like he could really be a difference maker potentially. Um, and that presents a difficult question for the Hornets for all the obvious reasons. You know, he, he's a restricted free agent not long from now, and they got to figure out what they're going to do there. But defensively with Frank, it's how much of a leap can he make? Can he put on more muscle? Um, can he – I don't think he can improve his, improve his lateral quickness at this point, but can he care more on that end without mm-hmm. taking away from what he gives you offensively? You know, can he exert more energy there and – and uh, mental aptitude there mm-hmm. w- without hurting himself in the offensive end. And, and, and that's really going to be the question for his, you know, his overall um, potential as an NBA player from here moving forward. But, you know, we were talking about at the beginning of the year, guys, about him not being in the NBA um, <laughs> in a few seasons from now. And, you know, I would say as we sit here today and we look at the numbers and we look at what he's done this season, um, that's probably not that's probably not going to happen, right? Like somebody's going to take a chance on this guy. If it's not Charlotte, somebody, but Brian, you've said this many times, this is a roster that is void of young um, talent that you have to develop or have the opportunity to develop. And he is still one of those players. So you have mm-hmm. to think that Charlotte is trying to be creative in the way they're approaching his contract situation and approaching his development as a player at this point. So it's, you know, he continues to be fascinating, polarizing, and has been since they drafted him a few years ago. Um, he turns 25 in three weeks, too, which is something else to note. Uh, first week of April is his birthday. 
And yeah, I mean this this will be in, an interesting offseason. I mean, you guys don't think they hit? I mean, they gotta let them hit restricted free agency in 2019 and just see what the market is, right? Like, there's no need to extend this guy this summer, especially considering what no the Mets look like right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I okay. lean towards that. I, I figured. I, yeah, I figured we were all on the same page there, especially since like, I mean, who knows what the Hornets books look like in 2019? I mean, it, it it just could. Who knows? So. Um, but yeah, it, w- it will be interesting to see. I assume at some point extension talks will at least come up. Um, although I imagine it'll just say, "Hey, they're going to kick the can until July 2019." Well, I you know I do want to jump in real quick there. I, I think it's I think it's very contingent on whether or not the Hornets are able to make a deal before the draft this June. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it this way, if you know the Hornets are capped out right now, you really look at the books and you're like, I don't even know. Like, if they wanted to make an extension, how do they even do it? Like, it, right, exactly. You know, so it all is contingent on on a trade and getting some serious salary out the door. But if you're able to do that, I think the conversation is much much different for Charlotte because if you're the Hornets, you want to keep the leverage on your side. You don't want this guy to make another step next season. All of a sudden, have uh, you know, I don't know, seven to ten suitors. And restricted right. free agency, and have to bite the bullet on actually mm-hmm. matching something. You know, just That's go ahead, right? Just go ahead and give him uh, the long term deal. So give him his long term money. So you you get cost certainty on both ends, right? Like mm-hmm. he knows where his money's coming from, and the Hornets give him at probably a cheaper price than the scenario if he breaks out next season. Then they got to start matching, you know, uh, an offer sheet. So, um, yeah. But do you think he's going to break out? Do you think he's going to break out? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to break out. But the scenario exists where you bang your head against the wall with mm-hmm. this guy for you know since you drafted him, and he's mm-hmm. a slow developer. He's a frustrating player. He's a frustrating player. And then all of a sudden, towards the back of his rookie scale contract, he starts to come on, and that's like the worst nightmare for any team in the NBA, right? Especially mm-hmm. a small market team like Charlotte that has to develop young talent. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like they've they're, they've reached the brink of giving up on a guy. And then right at the end of his deal, he starts to break out, and all of a sudden he's got su- – you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, that, that would be the Hornets' luck. And, and I think there's something to – I mean, look, I'm not a Frank Kaminsky fan. I don't feel like I need to, like, <laughs> shout that to the world. I think if you listen to this podcast, you understand that. I don't really enjoy watching him play basketball that much. But there is something to, if you're Charlotte, like keeping your talent in-house and continuing totally. to develop it. Right? And mm-hmm. – and that's something to really think about and consider and, you know, to really think about hard. If you're a fan of the Hornets or like you can't just say I gave up on Frank Kaminsky when he's starting to take steps. Like if they can get him at a cheap price and bring him back on like a Jeremy Lamb extension kind of three, four year kind of deal, six, seven, eight, nine million dollars, whatever. Like it might be worth it. It just might. Yeah. It's, it's, but- it's cheap. Especially because we know, you know, right now, it, you know, obviously, I mean, he's he's still under contract for one season after this one, so that's sort of another variable. But right now, the cap is sort of it's it's tight right now. You know, like if there were ever a summer for teams to have leverage over guys, it's when they say, "Hey, man, I mean, hey, you can you can try on restricted free agency in thirteen months, but." It ain't gonna be much better in 2019. Now we don't. It's tough to say because there might be another financial windfall that happens for the league between now and then. In which case, maybe the salary cap in 2019 is higher. So at least that's like another bargaining chip the Hornets could conceivably have. Um, but I don't know. That's that's probably on the 
the, the smaller side of in, importance when it comes to Frank Kaminsky's contract situation. Yeah, it's and we'll talk more about this, obviously. I mean, it, <clears throat> and it might bring us to kind of a larger conversation. I'm not sure we want to have in this episode, but, you know, are the Hornets actually like this trade they made at the deadline was it seems like a small, minuscule trade. Somebody hit me up on Twitter the other day, and I tend to agree with them. I do think that that was the first domino to a potential second, third, fourth domino, whatever, that was about to fall at the deadline, and it didn't. Like, mm-hmm. it just, totally. it's just a weird trade. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just it's a totally. weird trade to make. It feels like there's something else coming. And look, as soon as the league year ends and before the draft, just be ready because anything could happen. Mm-hmm. If you think we just got by this deadline and there's no way the Hornets are trading Kimba, you're not paying attention. There's still yeah. a great chance that the Hornets trade Kimba. Um, it just can't happen between now and the, whoever wins the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just keep an eye on that. It's all still very fluid. This this front office is looking at every single angle of the future. They know they are in the shittiest situation of any team in the NBA. It's pretty obvious at this point. That's not even like a, yeah, we're in like a situation with these five teams. Like the Hornets are pretty much in the worst situation in the NBA. Like the Pistons. I was going to say the Pistons. The Pistons, man. I mean, because yeah. like. Slightly, slightly like worse. Contract is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. And they and they just opened a new stadium, and the attendance has been yeah. a nightmare. And Drummond, who's really good, but he's really expensive. They don't even. I mean, you got Van Gundy, who has these dual roles as president and coach, and they have slightly worse draft odds than the Hornets this year too. So yeah, the, the Pistons are in a, a a brutal spot, but the Hornets. A little more fluid, but yeah, it's they're they're stuck between a rock and a hard place at the moment. No question, and not to mention we don't have a, a GM currently, so there's yeah. <laughs> another wrench in the socket. But anyways, um, let's try not to go down that rabbit hole. Um, Richie, I'm glad you brought up Frank. That was a great conversation. I think it's one we've needed to have because he is worthy about talking about, and he has been playing well. Um, just to kind of run quickly through these. Other games, real quick, I, I don't really have anything noteworthy to mention. I do want to talk about Monk and Bacon a little bit and mm-hmm. them getting playing time here, especially last night in New York. And then probably here, as what did you tell me earlier, Richie? 12, 12 games, games left. I believe. 12 games left. So you got to think those guys are going to see some serious minutes as we uh, stumble to the finish line of the season. Um, but I, So they, they won Atlanta, 129-117. Dwight Howard goes nuts. Uh, Dennis Schroeder says after the game, he only plays hard against his ex teams, which I thought was hilarious. And I hey, he's, got, he's got a lot of ex teams though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he has a lot yeah. of ex teams. I think, I think, uh, and he, he's, he has played against like, really, really well against the Hawks. Almost every time we played them this season, which mm-hmm. I think is hilarious. And I think Schroeder's right. He, is. he does get fired up and plays a little harder, uh, against those teams. But the only other thing I really want to say about these last few games last night against New York, the Hornets, hold on, let me make sure I got this right. Effective field goal percentage of 35.5%. Mm-hmm. BG, just like, did you see that yet? When I saw yeah. that, I had to like oh. do a double take. I was like, is that even possible for an NBA team? I don't care if you have 12 10 day contract guys out there. Like, how do you shoot 35.5% effective field goal? Unbelievable. It's bad. They boosted it a little bit in garbage time. Like, if you are, you are you looking at the cleaning the glass box for that? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. They in garbage time they they knocked it up a little bit, but over the course of a full game, again less than one point per possession, an assist rate of thirty three percent, 
again, factoring in garbage time too, still an effective field goal percentage of under 42%. I mean, it was just a way, it's just, this is what happens. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, the Kemba didn't play a ton in the second half, I guess. And Malik Monk taking a lot of shots, using a lot of possessions. And yeah, I guess this is what can happen. What's good, y'all? This is your boy, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the Almighty Baller Network. Um, all right. Well, let's let's stay there. Malik Bunk. Yeah. Richie. Start us off because I don't I don't even know where to start. I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know where to start. Just just on a season in general so far. I mean, I think that um, he definitely hasn't lived up to uh, a lot of Hornets fans' expectations. I feel like on the season, and I've talked about this. I don't know if it was without you, uh, Spencer. With I think it was just Brian and I were talking about this. How he's had inconsistent minutes this season, but I, I think that's probably partly due to his play. I don't think that his play is so much of a of an effect on his inconsistent minutes as it is vice versa. I think that he's not getting consistent minutes because he hasn't been playing well. The one thing I worry about Monk with, and, and I'm sure Brian has some stats to kind of back this up, you know, he, he's a smaller guard and you feel like he needs to either be playing point guard or playing with another guard who's a little bit bigger who could guard the shooting guard or even lead the offense a little bit because I feel like with the ball in his hands this year uh, he is uh, a little bit more tempted to shoot those pull-up shots which that's not really what he was known for coming out of Kentucky and like most people you fare a little bit better when you're off ball and I feel like his catch and shoot numbers are probably or almost positive they are significantly better than his his pull-up numbers so that's what I worry about can he play point guard because of his height it seems like he needs to be a point guard or, you know, I, I want him off ball more. So it's one of those things where you have to construct a roster where that backup point guard role needs to be someone that's a little bit taller. I feel like, like the Carter Williams, because Malik can't guard too. So that's, I guess that's my issue about Malik after watching him this, uh, his rookie season. Yeah. You almost wish the, in an, in, in an ideal world, you could have some sort of setup like the Blazers have or like the Wizards have. Um, Portland's probably the, 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 the easiest comparison because, yes, Shabazz Napier is technically their backup point guard, but they stagger McCollum and Lillard in a way that one of those guys is always the lead dog ball handler on the court at all times. And those are two. You know, McCollum's sort of a smaller two guard as well. I think it's pretty clear that the Hornets think Malik needs to be playing at least when he's on the court, at least some of his minutes need to be as a point guard. Um, those minutes have been pretty rough this year, unfortunately, too. Uh, we've seen him get a little bit more playing time in the last six games with uh, MCW Hurt. 17 minutes per game over the last six. Uh, numbers are not real real promising. Uh, 33% from the field, 21% on threes, <laughs> 7 of 33. He was 3 of 12 from beyond the arc against the Knicks. In that stretch, he's 7 of 28 from above the break and 0 of 4 from the corners. Um, the Hornets in those 101 minutes over the last six games, scoring just 103 points per 100 possessions and giving up 125 points per 100 possessions, a net of minus 22 per 100. Um, 
Hornets have have been outscored by 36 points in the last six games with Malik on the court. And now for the season, in 616 minutes, the Hornets are minus 209 with Monk on the court. Um, Amongst players that have played fewer than 700 minutes, that's second worst in the NBA, beyond only uh, Felicio from Chicago, who's minus 253. (laughs) Um, Also, so it's just a couple other numbers here of the last last half dozen games. For Malik, um, 63% of his field goal attempts have been of the pull-up variety. That's too much. Uh, yeah, it's way too much. 26%, yeah, tw- in 26% of his field goal attempts have been pull-up twos. Um, he's 8 of 14, 57%. That's pretty good, but that's those, I mean, he's not that kind. He's not Chris Paul from the mid-range. That's way too much. Uh, 37% of his field goal attempts have been pull-up threes. He's 3 of 20 on three-pointers, 15%. Last six games, 30% of his field goal attempts have come after seven or more dribbles. Uh, 38% shooting, 41% effective field goal percent shooting. And 24% of his field goal attempts have come between three to six dribbles. 31% shooting, 35% effective shooting. So yeah, the last last six games, 54% of his attempts have come after taking three or more dribbles. Um, That's just way too much. And those numbers sort of are congruent with the season numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, here we go. This season, 25% of his field goal attempts have been pull-up twos. He's shooting 30% on those. And 31% of his field goal attempts have been pull-up threes. He's shooting 25% on pull-up threes for the season. 37% on catch-and-shoot threes, which are 27% of his field goal attempts. But, you know, um, it's tough for him to get looks this, when he's yeah. like that, when he's the backup point guard. So, yeah, it's so been, that, it, yeah, look, it's been a rough season for Malik. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. Um, I, I root for him. You want him to do well. Um, it seems important that he be good because, again, as we've discussed, the team is just devoid of young, good players on first on rookie contracts. But uh, man, it just for whatever reason, it hasn't really come together for Malik. And the last time he had a game where you looked at it and you're like, man, he played great tonight was back in October, probably in the Milwaukee game. Um, I thought he was decent against Brooklyn two weeks ago um, down in Charlotte. I thought he played pretty well in that game. And uh, if you look at his on-off splits, it's better when he plays with Cody. When he plays with Cody, the team's like passable. When he plays without Cody, uh, things get really, really bad for the Hornets. I just don't know what the plan is with Malik. Like it's not – I wish I could at least watch a player out there right now that was trying to improve – a certain aspect of his game. And I, and I feel like I'm looking at a player who <laughs> is playing AU basketball and is the number one recruit in the country. Like I, I just like, this is where the Hornets player development sector is going to, it's time to like start taking some heat and mm-hmm. from the fan base, like this is what Malik Monk has, is doing what he did in Greensboro and what he's doing right now on the floor is unacceptable. Like, he, he, you can't be an NBA player, and especially a rookie, and just go out there and chuck your heart out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not how this works. Yeah. And so all these, all these stats that Brian just read off and you know, what Richie was mentioning, like, this is – there's no there, – he is not improving as a player at all. And if the plan is to let him shoot 20 times per 40 minutes – so he can hopefully see the ball go in. Like, 
that's about as elementary. Yeah, that's not a plan. That's not uh, that's but, not a plan. You know, like that that's the opposite right. of a plan. You know? Exactly. And there's no sign. Like, that's my point. Like, there's no sign that there yeah. is anything else happening. Like, look, it's just a little confusing to me that we have this coach, Steve Clifford, who is notorious to holding, you know, for mm-hmm. holding his players accountable. You know, playing one way, and then we have this kid Malik Monk coming out here. And the Hornets dropped 38 points to a team that is actively tanking last night in New York. And then they trot Malik Monk out there, and all he does is shoot. He just walks up and shoot threes. <laughs> yeah. He, like, he bought- I, like, I'm sorry. Like, this is not – it's not – you don't have to really watch the film really hard and really dig in to understand what's going on here. Like, no one's holding him accountable. And if th- But if this if – if you think you are and this is the plan, then – Find a new job. Like this yeah. is this is embarrassing for the Hornets right now. What they're allowing Malik Monk to do. Couple other things on Monk. He led the team in usage rate last night. Used over thirty-two percent of Charlotte's possessions while he was on the court. Dwight Howard was second at thirty uh, percent. So I think any game you have those two guys leading you in usage rate, it's just it's a giant like WTF. What's going on here? Um, Malik Monk also has no assists last night in the game. Played over 23 minutes, no assists. <laughs> he did have five against Brooklyn the other week, and I thought had some nice passes in that game. But last night, completely just nothing in terms of that. Just a lot. I mean, he took 12 threes, 16, shot, 16 shot attempts. Zero. Yeah, it, it, it's it's and 12 of those were were three. I mean, look, I'm all for guys getting up threes, as you guys know, but um, that's that's maybe not a great ratio. The Hornets don't score at all with him on the court in the third quarter. That, of course, is a pretty embarrassing 12 minutes where they were outscored by the New York Knicks 42 to 17. Um, yeah, not, I mean, not good, guys. Really not good. Um, and just for the record, too, uh, the Hornets with Dwight Howard on the court last night scored only 88 points per 100 possessions, too. I mean, it's just the. It, uh, I don't know what to say. Like it, but back to Malik. Yeah, last night it's just one of the. It was like, um, you know, like he's playing at the annex in Greensboro. You know, that's what it felt like. Just walk up the court, pick and roll. Am I gonna shoot a three, or will I take two more dribbles and shoot a pull up two? And that was yeah, about and, it. And defenders, for the most part, just go under screens against Malik. Yeah, because they know he's gonna chuck it. And guess what? He's shooting thirty and a half percent. Yeah, uh, you know, from behind the arc this season. So why not? Yeah. It's uh, it's a little confusing, and I don't know how much I want to blame Malik. No, nah, because I, I, because he's he's a born scorer, like he's a shooter. That's what he does. Um, it's the Hornets' job to develop him and to make him think the game in a different way, in a more, you know, in, in a at a higher level. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you have this again, you have this head coach, Steve Clifford, that's like, all right, we, we're going to hold guys accountable. And, th- and all this stuff is unacceptable. He does it all the time. But then you trot this out there. It's just such a weird message. I yeah. don't understand. I, I agree. And then and I guess my thing, too, is Clifford had some comments that made waves yesterday afternoon. It wasn't about Monk specifically, but it was about, you know, playing developmental guys over the final stretch of a lost season and. He was talking, just talking about how it's tougher than just plugging guys into the lineup and letting them play or whatever. But it seems like that's what what's happening with Malik Monk. And, and then my other thing too is it's like, look, you you guys know I, I 
really like and really respect Steve Clifford. I think he's a great coach, and I think the guys, pretty much for the most part, when the season isn't lost, they ride for him. But th- this is what the money's for. All you guys that make the, the staff and all the people around the team, the resources, the finances, it's on you in in some ways to find help Malik the last dozen games of the season. It's yeah. just it, he's he's he turned twenty during the year. The guy the guy should be a sophomore in, in college right now, and it's on the Hornets to step up and and get this guy at least find something for him to hang his hat on. The net the last dozen games of the season because if not, then this rookie season was just a complete. What I mean, it was just it will be you know it'll it, be a waste. It, it, I mean, and that's just again, I'm not questioning it, the job anybody's doing, but at least I don't want to. Maybe I am questioning it, but just I, I need to see more. And again, that's what the money's for, you know, especially well, at this point yeah. of the season when the games don't matter. What else are I, you doing yeah. as a coach to develop this team? And I think it's okay for us to say we are questioning. You know, well, you know, Brian don't want to do that, then Brian don't have to do that. But I, I think it's okay. Like it, it's okay for us to do that to say, hey, what are we watching, and why are we watching this? And you know, all this stuff that you pitch us from a PR and marketing standpoint about having you know a culture and having a head coach that holds these guys accountable and, and et cetera, et cetera. Then, then, you know, why don't we see it from the future? Like you, this is the most. It won't get attention because it's Charlotte and because it's the Hornets and like mm-hmm. it's not going to get national attention. But I'm sorry, man. Like what Malik Monk is going out there and doing right now on a nightly basis, really, when just when he's gotten minutes in general this season for the Hornets, is pretty asinine. Like mm-hmm. and what he did in Greensboro, like it's just, it, and it's been like we're on month three of this, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> and he's just chucking shots. Like, that's yeah. all he's doing. Do you ever so, like, wonder – sorry. Do you ever wonder if, like, this wasn't Clifford's guy? Like, Clifford's guy was Mitchell. And in the draft room, Monk – you know, Monk was there, obviously. So his name came up. And, you know, Clifford was like, okay, I really don't have a plan for Monk. So, like you said, we're just going to throw him in there. And, you we, know, may, maybe he doesn't have that connection to Monk we, because we didn't have those yeah, workouts. Yeah, sure. Just real quickly, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too. Like, around the trade deadline – or around when maybe maybe it was around when which after Rich Cho got got let go, but you know they didn't even work Malik Monk out, and so whose voice is in the war room when Malik Monk becomes available on draft night saying we got to take this guy let's we got to Skype Malik Monk right now so we can talk to him and tell him we we know we worked Donovan Mitchell out five times he's the guy we're sold on him, I mean there's no way they could have seen him being this good obviously no. but like. I mean, he would have gone first over, first overall if that were the case. But uh, it's just, it, it's just sort of a, it makes you, it does make you wonder, Richie. I think that I think that's um, an interesting point of speculation. Yeah, I think it's totally in play. In fact, I would put a good amount of money on the fact that that is exactly the case, Richie. Um, but to Brian's point, you know, administration matters and. Mm-hmm. The general manager matters and player development matters. And look, he was the best player available. And it's something totally. the Hornets fans have been screaming. Nobody questioned the pick when it was happened. You no, know, when we were it happened, stoked. I, I, was, I was so excited. We were all excited. Me, you know? yeah, me and, too. And I still don't like 
I would never say it was the wrong pick to make because he was the best player available again. But like, you you have to help these kids get better. And like, mm-hmm. what we're seeing right now is just the opposite of that. And Richie, maybe you're onto something. Maybe Steve Clifford is like, all right, all right. Like, you're telling me I got to play this kid. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna send him out there, and he's just gonna do his, you know, dandy thing. Out there. You know, I'm not yeah. gonna coach him at all. Like, maybe this is. But at the same time, here is a player that came up. In, in freaking trade conversation, like in trade rumors the at Bucks. the deadline as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So maybe the writing is all right on the wall for us, and we just got to read it. The team's not happy. Malik Monk doesn't want to be in Charlotte, which it's probably the truth. We've known that for a while. And nobody knows what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe that's – I don't know. But, like, what <laughs> this has got to change, though. Like, he can't just go out there – and just chuck 40-footers every time he steps across half court with the ball. Like, that's just unacceptable. The last dozen games of the season will be very interesting to see how Monk performs. I'm guessing we'll see more of the same. Um, he's clearly not without talent, right? I mean, he's he is, yeah. he's got a handle. At, at times, it looks like he can be unselfish and, and mm-hmm. at least has some vision. And at, he's... Even they've been basically just two flashes in the pan, but even on the NBA level, he's shown himself to be an explosive scorer, and he clearly has wiggle and to his game, and you know has some juice and stuff like that. It, he's not without talent, clearly, but yeah. the the way it's the way he's being played right now, it's just it's pretty obvious that once Carter Williams came back, they didn't have a plan for how to use him. They just did not have a plan for how to use him, and. You know, it's the end of it's the end of March now. They're they're just running out the clock, and you just got to hope that there's maybe a, another game or two between now and then that you see some positive signs, and that he can have a, a a good off season. You know, assuming this roster stays intact or whatever, because he might be an important guy going forward for the Hornets. I, yeah, I agree with you. He has talent. I think he can run some point guard on this level. Um, you know, he can obviously shoot it. From an unlimited range, um, you know, you can find people. He's got some vision. You know, I, I think that his vision is <clears throat> a little bit wasted sometimes because he's he's so focused on getting his. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's talent here. It's just a matter of, you know, will the Hornets choose to get him on the same page of whatever page that is that the team's on, which I don't know what page that is. But if they can get him on that page – and then really invest on developing him as a player. I think you have something here. But the way that Sky has been managed this year is, I mean, it's as bad as it gets. Sorry. Yeah. In, just, in just huge stretches where he's not even in the rotation, you know, in which, I mean, that, that's one thing. But then it, it's tough to then say, okay, we're going to give now give you 18 minutes a night, go shoot 25 times. Like, it's just, it, there's... It's terrible. That's not, it's not responsible, I guess, no. would, be, would be my way to define it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. As this was our 57th installment, we're actually going to be releasing episode 58 on Thursday, where we talk draft prospects, at least five or seven of them, many of them which are projected to be in Charlotte's range. As always, make sure you check out almightyballer.com, where you can find us, along with other basketball-related podcasts, And please give our friends Sports Channel 8 a follow on Twitter at Sports Channel 8. In addition to AlmightyBaller.com, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, 
TuneIn Radio, and many of your other favorite podcasting apps. Uh, We definitely appreciate any ratings and reviews that you can give to us and provide to us on iTunes. Uh, It takes less than a minute to do, and it goes a long way uh, in bringing more Hornets fans to the most well-rounded Hornets show out there. So please be sure to subscribe as well. That way you get the latest episodes the minute they are released. And like I mentioned, you guys will be receiving a bonus episode on Thursday, just in time for those sweet 16 games. For Spencer and Brian, I am Richie. We will see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.